a Highline podcast. Hello, welcome to the Whiskey Bench. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. We are recording on the evening of January 6th, 2022. We are very excited to announce that this is our first episode of what will hopefully become a regular segment of News and Brews. News and Brews. I'm excited about it. I am very excited as well. So (laughs) we have talked about and hinted at News and Brews, um, I believe, in our last episode. And I think we're going to make it happen. We love keeping up with current events and we want to be able to share it more with you guys. And we also love to drink beer. And that is something that is lacking in the Whiskey Bench lineup. I'm a sucker for a cocktail. But every now and again, I want to crack a beer. Beer does the trick. So this is now our opportunity to do so. So right off the bat, the one and only Cat Dwyer provided the brewskis for this evening. So what are we drinking tonight? It is a Phillipsburg Montana Brewing Co. IPA called Montana One. Right. It comes in a unique can bottle. Wonderful. What's the back say? Montana One IPA. Montana One is named for scenic highway one that connects the Phillipsburg to the world. Take the winding journey through juicy hops, and remember, getting there is half the fun. Wander, sip, recycle, and repeat, they say. There we go. We have a beautiful (laughs) Montana-made IPA. I've really never seen one. It's in a can, but it's shaped like a bottle with a twist with top. With a twist top. Yeah. That's like the Is this a new thing? Ah, it's Phillipsburg's jam. It's a Phillipsburg thing. But you don't see them that often, really. I don't I, know why. My boyfriend bought these for a cross-country slash split boarding adventure. So they're very conducive for outdoor activities. Well, shout out to Steve. Thank you for buying the beers. Because you can like seal them up. <laughs> this episode was given sponsored by Steve. By Steve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, we never do this at the beginning of an episode. But we kind but of should. Maybe like, it's like cheers. bad luck. Yeah, cheers at the beginning of the episode. Cheers to... Uh, metal, metal cans don't clink really, but... They don't. It's all right. It clinked in our minds. It's like a multi it is. IPA. It's not what I was expecting. Yeah. And I actually haven't had this, and I've had a lot of beers from Montana. I've never had anything from Phillipsburg Brewing. They're a hay bag, Hefeweizen's pretty classic. Hmm. Real good. Where is Phillipsburg? Phillipsburg is out past Lake Butte. So hmm. you go towards West. Anaconda, I think, and then continue further down. Okay. And you'll get to uh, Phillipsburg. So next, or in a couple of weeks where I'm actually working in Anaconda, Hopefully, a couple of evenings we might. I think it's close enough we can sneak down to Phillipsburg and nice. grab a brewski. There's so many cool places in Montana to explore. There is. And hopefully, as we go through this, we will continue to drink some lovely Montana beers. Mm-hmm. There will be a lot of beers featured. I've got favorites from all over the country. <laughs> yeah. But we got a lot of good beer here in Montana. We have a lot of good beer just in Bozeman. Yeah, exactly. Like a so amount. we want to try and feature it as much as we can. But yeah, we want to we want to dive into this. We want to get some news. Updates. And these segments will be shorter too, which yeah, is another exactly. thing to to note. I think we just want 
to give you something on the weeks we're taking off from the long format episodes to get a little update on some news that we think is important, interesting. And ideally news that isn't already covered really widely is the goal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So who wants to lead? Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I mean, I can start. You want to dive in? Yeah, totally. Dive in. Um, I was starting to say before we were recording that I took like a break and kind of unplugged Christmas through Christmas and through New Year's. I just went back to work on the 4th on Tuesday. So I've been like playing catch up and like getting back into the groove. And it's one of those things. It's like it felt so good to be unplugged. It was kind of hard to get back into it. Yeah, it's difficult sometimes to be motivated. Well, there's just like a part of me that like wants to go just like be isolated and like stretch and cook and not be a part of the world and then there's another part of me that's like addicted to paying attention to everything so i'm just i'm getting back into my addiction is what's happening you know it's fair and obviously <laughs> i do quite a bit of stuff on my on my phone but really the majority of my computer time is spent at my desktop mm. in my office chair and being home for christmas visiting my family i don't have my desktop mm, so yeah really weird i'm not just like on it right yeah reading podcasts youtube like yeah so i you know even though i didn't deliberately do it i realized even after you know four or five days at home like i just sat in the wood shop you get out of your your routine yeah i was like oh i spent all day every day just like in the wood shop isn't that nice building things oh this is kind of nice that's nice yeah totally yeah then i got home and i was like Ah, crack cocaine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. I opened Twitter for the first time, and I was like, kind of scared. Mm-hmm. And then, like within an hour, I'm like checking it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, so the newsy bit that I wanted to share is something that I'm sure everybody is like aware of, but um, I don't think it's gotten enough attention in mainstream media. Um, and that is the Epstein ongoing controversy and the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. So what people probably are aware of is, um, well, so the trial happened. (laughs) It's over. And a verdict was given. She was indicted on five of the six charges that were brought before her. She faces potentially up to 40 years in prison or longer. Uh, And she also faces two perjury charges that are going to be handled in a separate trial. So this saga will continue. The charges that she was convicted um of are pretty gross uh sex trafficking minors um enticing a minor to travel and transporting a minor transporting a minor with the intent to engage in criminal sexual activity conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of a minor conspiracy to transport a minor with the intent to engage in criminal sexual activity um and then the count that she was not convicted of was conspiracy to entice a minor to travel to engage in criminal sexual activity so there's like a ton of nuance there and I'm not a legal scholar and I'm not going to dive into the nuance of those different charges. But it's great that she, in my mind, it's a good thing that she was, um, you know, put before a jury and tried and convicted. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple of things to unpack. One, I think it's incredibly frustrating that so far she's the only person that's being charged with anything and being pursued. Yep. I think... I mean, she clearly, in my opinion, she's a monster and like deserves to go to jail and should and hopefully will stay there until the rest of her life. And hopefully for much longer than 40 years. Yeah, hopefully longer. Like probably should never get outside the walls of a prison. 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, she's like 60 something now. So um, yeah, she would be however old quick math. She, yeah. I mean, that is the rest of her life probably. Right. But yeah, there are so many powerful people, high profile people that are connected to this, that it's, it's a little bit mind boggling to me that there isn't more interest in connecting those dots and figuring out and like prosecuting the people that, I mean, she's, she's guilty of course, for like trafficking these underage women and for in some instances, it sounded like she was like involved in the abuse. But I'm also really, I think the actual abusers need to be brought to justice too, like the men, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Who were her clients. Mm -hmm. And there doesn't seem to be much of an appetite for that. And I suppose it's because these people are so high profile that like it would complicate a lot of just our. It would complicate a lot of things. Which is a bad excuse, but yes. Totally. But I think yeah. that's kind of the motiva motivating factor there. Right. We know, I mean, some things that we know for a fact about the, the whole Epstein thing is that they were very orderly. Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah. I have a feeling, I mean, part of it was the manipulation and part of it was being able to leverage it to gain power over people. But right. I mean, everything that happened, I'm pretty sure is logged at some point. Now, you never know what was destroyed and whatnot and. And certain yeah. three-letter agencies are good about hiding things right. from, from the public right. that should be known. But Well, and that's where it gets, like, you know, interesting, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, Bill Clinton traveled on his plane 26 times, mm -hmm. logged anyway. And some of those times there was no Secret Service detail, but sometimes there was. And maybe, like, you know, they, maybe he was wise about not letting, you know, other people in on his trips where he was doing illicit things. but. It, it does make you wonder like how many sort of there, some of these people are so high profile and so powerful and so connected within the government. Yeah. That does make you wonder like what potential like government agencies or bureaucrats are like implicated in all of this. But so one thing I think that should be addressed is that there's like a lot of sort of people on the right have been saying that, that like the Epstein files were ordered to be sealed after the verdict was given. And I, I can't find any evidence of that. Uh, so like the trial went underway. Yeah. A lot of it was probably private or not available to the public. And then you're saying after the trial, the court decided, hey, this needs to get go under lock and key and become like classified or that's something. That's what's being, sh yeah. That's, that's what's being like shared. what's being shared, yeah. Okay. And, but, then, and there's like a lot of, you know, kind of like, mainstream publications like fact checking that and saying that that's not true and you know but the one piece that is like can be confirmed that was sealed and was never released or made public at any point is epstein's like black book is right. what it's referred to as which i believe they do have correct i think they have it it's, it's just sealed right and like it's not going to be made public and i and i suppose that that is where there's probably like a ton of incriminating evidence well we know you know tons of actors and Past presidents yeah. and political figures. and I wanted to list some of them off because yeah, it's just like shocking. So Bill Clinton, 26 times, right? Yep. Kevin Spacey, 11 times. Right. Well, we know that he's not a good man. Right. Which people have joked like, I thought Epstein was only trafficking underage girls, not underage boys. <laughs> right. Maybe. Anyways, um, Prince Andrew, four times. Yep. And he's the one who's been like entangled in this. He's the from one that's actually been in the news, like yeah, about it. Which he's trying, he's trying to push to have like charges against him dropped right now. But I think 
I don't see how that guy has a way out because so much has already been revealed right. and made public that it seems like he's he's backed into a corner and they're probably going to sacrifice him. But um, Larry Summers, Obama's former yep. economic advisor. I didn't know that, but that's interesting. Three times. Yeah. Okay. And then Donald Trump. Yep. Once, which like his defenders will say like, once he found out what Epstein was doing, he like banned him from Mar-a-Lago and like, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Like, sure. I mean, he's been accused of sexual assault. Like, it's sad how many people in positions of power have been accused of sexual assault. Yeah. It's pretty gross. So, and then Bill Gates, which like, I, he wasn't on the flight log, but there's, but like when him and Melinda got divorced, I was reading some New York Times stories from then in 2019 and like she and other people like close to the story like really spilled the beans about his relationship with epstein and uh they became close like after epstein in 2008 i think like pled guilty to like soliciting sex from an underage girl Mm -hmm. like after that bill gates became like buddy buddy with him which you know shows maybe poor judgment or like bad intentions on his part anyways strange stuff and now of course he's like trying to distance himself from it all but and melinda basically says like as she learned more about their relationship that was part of what drove her to divorce him so very messy very powerful people who have an interest in not having most of this stuff revealed um which is a shame one of the things that was just revealed like today or yesterday that's interesting is that um two of the jurors who convicted Maxwell publicly, like to media, said that they had shared their own experience of sexual assault during jury deliberations. So that, so now Maxwell's lawyers are trying to have the whole uh, verdict thrown out and are pushing for a retrial because oh, like a mistrial there almost was bias. because yeah. gotcha, right? So like that could be interesting if the whole thing ends up being. If they have to go through this whole process again, and I don't know what that looks like, but um, it definitely like threw a wrench in things, and it's kind of odd. Like, why would they? Don't they know not to? Right. Yeah. Like, it seems it's, like a really obvious thing to not do. Obviously, it's a very sensitive case, and right. The last thing you want is for someone to like be able to buy time. One for something bad to happen, or for a fluke to come through. Right. Lessen the charges. Yeah. But you also have to be realistic and say, well, if it was a mistake made, like, no matter how hard it is to swallow, like, maybe mistrial is technically the legal thing that needs to happen. Sure. I mean, we should, it should totally follow legal channels, but. Hard pill to swallow, but. Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, and it should. But like, I, I just like, seems like a bizarre thing for the jurors to do, but maybe that was just an honest mistake. Um, and then the other kind of interesting tidbit is that, uh, she never sought a plea deal with the prosecutors Mm -hmm. um and they never sought one with her to get more information which i find odd right like why would she not want to try to avoid jail time by like naming names but again it just seems like there isn't an appetite to like figure out who else is involved yeah there's a lot of money involved i'm sure yeah um if if maxwell is anything like epstein the amount of influence that they have as Epstein's story has showed in his previous uh, run-ins with prison time and things like that, I don't think a prison sentence would have been too bad for her. I think she would have been pretty been plush. in some cush situation, yeah, probably. Probably would have been able to pull that off. Yeah. I mean, um, she has, like, a ridiculous amount of assets. And, like, he obviously, like, Epstein acquired his wealth through illicit means, it mm-hmm. seems, and so did she. 
Oh, very so, much so. Yeah. Um, and but there's like a ton of things like money and assets and like helicopters and like what what is going to happen to all of those resources? You know, I'm just you know, it just seems odd that it's like well, we're going to check a box and put her in jail, quote unquote, for 40 years. And what happens to all of their stuff? What happens to all the people who were like abusing underage girls and paying them? And what uh, and what do they hold over these people? I mean, they obviously they like it seems like they lured people. To, they got people to come to the island. They put them in compromising positions. That gives them an IOU favor. They've right. got blackmail on people. And like that'll turn. I mean, there's probably like geopolitical consequences. There's probably national security consequences. And it's like, is anybody going to look into this stuff? Because it's. It it seems really consequential, um, and maybe there are things happening behind the scenes that we're just not privy to. But right. the hopeful the hopeful thing is to say things like the you know the black book not being released and files being claimed to be sealed away. Yeah, is you can only help someone on the other side is fighting for this, and they're because as it was seen with Epstein, like everything within the power of evil people will be. Like, they're motivated to not let that information get out at all costs. Yeah. Like, look, speculation, my intent is not to be a gossip. But, like, if Bill Gates is somehow negatively involved with this, the man has nearly unlimited resources, (laughs) and I guarantee that he will do anything within his power, or anyone like him will do anything within their power. Yeah. To not let that happen. Right. Whatever that looks like. Well, and he has, the more I was reading about him, he has actually, like, a record of, like, being inappropriate with female coworkers and, like, Lovely. making advances on female coworkers and things like, like, while he was married and things like that. So, I don't think it's it's out of character for him, but he's been able yeah. to keep those things under wraps, more or less. Oh, you mean so, good guy, good guy, Bill Gates, saving the world from COVID. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, right? And so, yeah, I know. You can go down a lot of conspiracy theory rabbit holes with the weird connections here between them all. Scary stuff. So, we'll see how this evolves. Hopefully, it's not just a checkbox and nobody pursues, you know, the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. I also just want to say, and I guess this is just what, like, the defense team would do, but it was kind of sad to see, like, the, the defense's arguments trying to to discredit the victims and like pointing out their like history with drug abuse or like prostitution or things like that without i mean the reality is it's like when you're abused like that you get pushed like that's kind of an inevitable consequence of that kind of trauma yeah oh yeah you know and of course that's what the defense's argument is going to be but I can't even imagine what those poor women had to go through like right. sitting on the sand and being humiliated and shamed and not believed it's sad yeah not only that like i don't think it's an understatement to say that like anyone that's testifying is putting their life at risk oh for sure they are yeah totally they are totally yeah i mean that would be interesting too like what's the security situation behind the scenes and right yeah and how are they going to keep like maxwell from not being hanged yeah (laughs) exactly exactly like yeah let's move on to something else even scarier (laughs) yeah even scarier um so 
that's good news to oh it's not good news you know what i mean <laughs> it's it's a good thing to be aware of and like you said there's going to be more developments in that story for, yeah, sure, for sure as other charges are brought forth and other trials have to be put underway so it'll be interesting at the very end to see what happens and like like we said with that much influence and, and power and money um even if a sentence is given and, and she ends up serving it things can change yeah um, so i'm sure we'll be keeping up with this as it develops yeah. uh but i thought this week and granted this story actually popped up before I mean, after we had talked about the news and Bruce idea, so this is perfect. I mean, this popped up and I was like, I have to talk about this because it's so fascinating and it's kind of scary. The uh, Kazakhstan protests that started, I think it was like on the third, but in 2022, um, a lot of civil unrest in Kazakhstan. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and one or two sentence review on your favorite streaming platform. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. Thanks to the Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, Keller's Couch. Oh my God, actually, she just got here. It's my friend, Terry. Hey, Terry. Oh, hi. I'm oh. Terry. Hey, nice Terry. to meet you. She's. Oh my God. Yeah, as you can tell by her interesting accent, she is actually from Germany. Yeah, <laughs> you said it. So, Terry, I was just telling them about this new movie that's German. Oh, yeah? Oh my, oh yeah. my God, Terry, oh, you're from fun. Germany. I bet you might have seen it. I have seen. Every single German movie. Yeah? Yeah, it's I have starred in a few of them myself. Oh, what? Yeah. Terry, oh my god. It's very exciting. Jeez. So, Terry, do you belong to a nude colony? <laughs> and now, back to our conversation. I think it's important just because there's a lot of news changing with this because it is, I mean, I have updates from today, the 6th of January, 2022. So it's very much changing, and this episode is going to be delayed a little bit. So you're going to be hearing this news a week late, or a week and a few days later than we're recording. So there will be updates. Most of my information comes from a few sources. Uh, I've got a article from the Washington Post written by Ruby Mellon, um, as well as an article from the New York Times. Three people contributed to it. Ivan. Neka Perenko, Valerie Hopkins, and Andrew E. Kramer. And then I also have um, from the Wall Street Journal a co-written piece by Anna M. Simmons and James Marson. Some of them are probably on the ground, and other them are maybe remotely reporting and stuff. But I know a couple of them are definitely doing foreign policy and things like that. Basically, anyone that's not familiar with it, as of January 1st of this year, 2022, Kazakhstan put some price limits on petroleum or remove some some ceiling prices or something on petroleum there was a there they've had a price ceiling and yes. they raised it slightly and they raised it slightly yeah and uh it quite literally overnight made the price of gas double right um which caused obviously a lot of frustration and so i've got a little rundown day by day um so Jan uh, saturday january 1st the price of gasoline skyrocketed almost doubled overnight 
due to the government lifting price caps on petroleum gas. Kazakhstan is a massive producer of oil. You know, in the global market, it might not seem like much, but there's something like 5% of the global market. Mm-hmm. Um, Kazakhstan also is a very large country. In uh, terms of territory. Territory. It's the yeah. ninth largest country in the world. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Sandwiched right between Russia and China. Has tons of natural resources. Tons of oil and tons of uranium. Uranium is, they produce 40% of the world's uranium. Hmm. So it's a very rich country as far as resources are concerned. Saturday, prices doubled. Uh, by Tuesday, there were some small demonstrations across the country, but like not a ton of people about. But news spread really fast. And so that might have been Monday, but by Tuesday, there were massive demonstrations across the country. The government said it would reverse its decision on this uh, removal of the cap on Tuesday. But at that point, things had kind of escalated. All the protesters were just invested that it was enough to kind of fuel their frustration on other issues going on in the country, other issues that have been going on for a while. On top of like demonstrations within the cities, also the largest oil uh, company saw massive walk-offs from oil workers, basically shut down production, even though they made a public statement saying like production will not be delayed. How does that work if all your workers walk off? Right. Um, so that's that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I think they said it was like it wound up being like logistical issues. That yeah, made it yeah, that was yeah. their official excuse. Yeah, the holdings half of that business is holding is owned by Shell in the United States, and so I think Shell made an, an announcement being like, "Oh, it was just a logistical issue." There was like right. mass mass walk offs, and that's already a problem because last year there were massive layoffs due to COVID. And so it's a market that's already struggling in, in Kazakhstan, but that's the way it goes. Um, here's a quote from that Washington Post news article. Um, it says, uh, protesters were shouting, end quote, old man, go away, as they railed in frigid temperatures. Just note, it's been sub zero <laughs> all across the country as people right. are protesting. They're motivated. Um, but the old man, go away is reference to their leader, Nur Sultan. Nazarbayev, who's 81 years old, he's been in power since 1991. Although last it was in 2019, he uh, basically picked a, an heir to his legacy. Yeah, he's kind of always filled yeah, important so positions. Yeah, so Kasim Jomar Tokayev is his successor. Mm-hmm. Um, but all reports say that basically he controls the country. Mm-hmm. He just has like a figurehead. So this is all going on Tuesday. Wednesday, protesters attempted to pull down a statue of uh, the old man, referenced Nazarbayev. Uh, they also set fire to multiple government buildings, and they pretty much burnt the mayor's office to the ground in uh, Almaty, which was the prior presidential palace. It's a big building. It's huge. Yeah, like multiple blocks. And I it's think. very Soviet-looking. Like it's a big, ugly Big, block. ugly, square, <laughs> massive like palace Yeah, um, from the Soviet era burnt to the ground, which, like I said, was the old presidential um, palace, which says a lot as far as imagery is concerned. You know, that same night, Wednesday night, they are blocking most messaging apps and internet across the country. Uh, and and the president released a public statement across public air calling all who were demonstrating international terrorists, uh, after which he publicly uh, announced that he called Russia to aid in dealing with the uprise. And the so troops are there. They made a phone call to Putin, and by the next morning, Russian troops were on the ground aiding police and National Guard of Kazakhstan to stamp out protests, which is some language I've seen from officials that stamp out 
Um, I've seen language such as eliminate protesters, things like that. Well, and there's been video circulating on social media of like Russian troops like opening fire. So, and it's not showing like what they're shooting at. No, and but so they're shooting I've, lots of rounds. And I've been trying to find out what's going on right now. I can't yeah. find any confirmed information that Russia has engaged in any open fire on protesters. But Kazakhstan government officials, police slash National Guard have fired at protesters and killed and have killed dozens of protesters. Yeah, um, and some National Guard slash yeah. police have died. Right. Uh, quite a few. I've got some stats on that here. Okay. There's been some interesting statements from officials in Kazakhstan. Uh, here's one from the New York Times article. In uh, quote, troops from a Russian-led military alliance arrived in Kazakhstan on Thursday to restore order after protests in the Central Asian country turned violent, with the police reporting that dozens of anti-government demonstrators have been killed and hundreds injured. That same day on Wednesday, the airport in Almaty was seized by the civilians and it took, well, they had control of it for a while and it was delaying flights and it was a huge logistical issue, obviously. Um, but police and National Guard were able to uh, take care of that. I don't know by what means of force, but they booted the uh, the demonstrators there. At that point, I don't know what to call them. But uh, one of the state officials made a statement, a public statement, and claimed that this is evidence that, in quote, the country faced armed insurgent by terrorist groups trained abroad. Oh, wow. They're claiming that. They're claiming that, which, guys. Trying to insinuate what the U.S. was involved. I don't know what that means. but based abroad? Us in Western Europe. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And there's some other statements about that, like, oh, these are all terrorists that were trained abroad, or this is organized, you know, militias, fill in the blank. And from what I've seen, like, these are just angry civilians. Yeah. Civilians can organize. I mean, they live under an authoritarian dictatorship that yes. they have for a very right. long time. It was like Soviet control before that. Right. So it's very it's not surprising. Heavy socialist policies. Yeah. So as of Thursday morning, then Russian troops arrived, uh, and it's reported that local security forces have opened fire on groups of protesters and killed in quote dozens. Reports also say military and police in Almaty are no longer operating and in fact are not even present. Well, because the, not the leader, no, but the government. I don't yes. know if they have a parliamentary system. I'm it's confused a, by it. I look. It's they consider it like a something other republic, something. Like they have a senate, so they I guess it's senate. not a parliamentary system, but yes. it's not like equivalent to our system, like in form. But um, but that like legislative body has stepped down, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know there are some. Obviously, good reasons why people might consider that. So far, as of the article I read was like 11 hours ago. Well, it was probably nine hours ago um, that these were updated. As of then, 2,300 civilians had been detained. 400, which were reported to be... Well, 400 additional reported to be hospitalized. This is what's crazy. It's also reported... Take this with a grain of salt. This is from the Kazakhstan government. Two uh, government officials to security staff were found beheaded which is crazy mm, yeah i read that too 18 deaths of security detail probably within the government premise like maybe at the palace or something like that and 750 wounded police slash military whoa armed so, militia have already 
started to form all across the city. I was going to say, is that, that so that I mean, that does indicate an organized force. Right. There's videos of uh, Wednesday night firefighting in the dark all across the city, you know. And everything's ground to a halt like it's a war zone, right? Like, yes. Yeah. We've got civilians actively uh, stopping National Guard um, truck details. They've captured and are detaining National Guard members. Uh, they've raided multiple barracks and stole weapons. They're forming like a military. So this is a proper insurrection. This is a proper insurrection. <laughs> On the day of the 6th, which is funny, say, we're talking about say. all this BS nonsense, horrible takes in the U.S. And I'm like, this is what this an insurrection is what, looks yeah, this like. This is what an insurrection actually is. Goofy idiots. Not a bunch making of old, a mess yeah, a bunch a of old ladies. Building. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> Here's another quote uh, from one of the articles, kind of talking more about the motivation behind it, some of the qualms, maybe maybe trying to understand where this is coming from. Uh, but before I read that, just kind of as I wrap up, it is very interesting. You know, the militias are being formed. There's videos of like units of horseback riders, like civilians on horseback with weapons riding through the city. They've created like a, a a calvary. Wow, it's insane, and they're fighting the government. And I don't feel like this. From what you're describing, this doesn't seem to me to indicate foreign interference. This this seems like a grassroots effort. This is what people don't realize. Like they're talking about, like, oh, this is foreign intervention and the government and organized that, right? military. These are hardened people that have been under oppression that are hardworking, capable, right? A lot of them probably have military experience. Yeah. I don't think it's as organized as you think. It's, it's you know, the argument, we've talked about this before, like, civilian population can never go against the government. Like, angry people can organize and they will raise hell. And I think that's what this is. Sure. Um, but here's just to close up this evening, a couple of the motivations that these article pieces were quoting a little bit of background on the issues that the country's been facing for years now. I think this is from the New York Times article. Uh, in quote, Kazakhstan, the world's largest landlocked country, has some of the largest oil fields on Earth and more than 40% of the world's uranium production. But the average salary in Kazakhstan is equivalent to $570 a month, according to the government's statistics. And many are angry at socioeconomic disparities which have been made worse by the pandemic. Protesters are accusing the authoritarian leaders of squandering the wealth of the country. Mm -hmm. On top of this, there's a lot of reports and claims, especially among protesters, that these government officials are hoarding wealth for themselves offshore in in Which is like, funds. totally, that's the former Soviet bloc model. Right, exactly. Right? That's what they, yeah, totally. You know, and it's a fairly wealthy country. Um, I looked up their GDP. They do about $600 billion a year. They have 19 million citizens. Um, it's not a poor country as far as resources and especially like what they could produce with their natural resources. Right. But it seems like there is massive disparity. Seems like there's a lot of fraud. Right. 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 And here's some more insight on that. The Wall Street Journal piece is excellent. I would like to link it. I know Wall Street Journal and like some websites does have a paywall. Sometimes you can read a couple articles, but like... If you look in the notes and you want to read an article, please read the Wall Street Journal article. It has a lot of context behind it. 
as far as the motivations for this. However, the wa- there's a Washington Post article that's also really good, just talking about like just events that happened leading up to the explosion. Both of those are good, but the Wall Street Journal, particularly good. Um, so here's a quote from the Wall Street Journal piece. Injustice is the root cause, said Valery uh, Mikhailov, a writer and former editor of the Russian language literacy art magazine, Prostor. In quote, there is a hopelessness among young people who cannot get an education, cannot get a profession, cannot get a normal job, and cannot make a life for themselves. They have no prospects, but they see the elites getting rich. It's social discontent. Frustration also stems from the government frequently claiming it will address high-level corruption and offering a better share of the wealth of the country's natural resources and overhauling its authoritarian political system, but nothing has been done to do so. Kazakhstan is a very socialistic country and owns a lot of things. One of the empty promises is mass privatization of its state's assets. And so I think it's pretty much everyone except for the political leaders are very oppressed. Yeah, right. And I think that bubbles popped. Those people have been prodded for too long. You know, they've had their authoritarian leader for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And And they were oppressed. Before, before that. that, by the Soviet, <laughs> it was the last Soviet country to, in quote, be liberated. Oh, was that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. 1991. Yeah, I would. Um, in that same, I read that journal article today as well. And in did that, you enjoy it? I thought it was a great piece. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I was actually going to mention the quote that you just shared. Yeah. Um, but it goes on to talk about how the the people who were like in the streets, like waging this revolt mm-hmm. are young people they which, are which gets at what you just shared like yes. it's young people who are totally disaffected and frustrated and fed up yeah. um i would be curious to know and i haven't found anything on this yet um but like what are they advocating for like do they recognize that like the socialists policies have failed and like their system of government has failed and they need something radically different or i hope so you know i've seen some do they just want to get rid of the people you know that's the problem with this right right because there's this balance of being sympathetic to those people like i have no problem with the government overthrow sure and and (laughs) when it's when context is correct yeah yeah. But like i also even when the context is correct have an issue with oh i don't know beheading people sure of course (laughs) but it will be interesting to see what the goals of these people are yeah 19 million people is a fair amount yeah but not that many considering the size of the country you know they're also surrounded by a lot of bad actors yeah they're Um, between two gigantic powerful authoritarian one of the the, you know one of the cultural contexts here the geopolitical context here is that you know, the U.S. has tried since the fall of, of the Soviet nations, you know, in the late 90s or whatever, early 90s, to kind of promote democracy and, and whatnot. But there's been so much influence from Russia and China, their neighbors, that that's kind of still well, one out. Yeah, totally. Because China's been, you know, their whole Belt and Road Initiative, they have invested a ton of money in Kazakhstan. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's also so very difficult because Putin has a huge interest in Kazakhstan. Right. They're really close allies. Right. Putin uses one of the large facilities there for all of their space exploration, rocketry, mm. um, where they do all their launches out of Kazakhstan. And that's why, you know, within a few hours, there was troops on the ground. 
Right. Um, but this also, you know, from a geopolitical standpoint, a lot of people are saying this is actually probably really frustrating for Putin because it's distracting him from, from Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah, for sure. Which is a huge issue. But it's also distracting the world from Ukraine. Right. Well, it's interesting how even after the Soviet Union, you know, officially technically dissolved, Russia, the bear, has found a way to maintain power and influence over its former satellite states. And I think that's why, you know, well, there's a lot of Ukraine's a whole other topic we'll tackle another day. But like, yeah, I think that, you know, what's happening in Kazakhstan, them coming to the aid, you know, that's a perfect example of how like Russia very much is still ultimately sort of in charge of these former Soviet states. And right. Massive influence, political, financial. And I kind of feel for these protesters or insurrectionists, I guess you could call them yeah. more appropriately in this context. Mm-hmm. Um, At this point, it's because when the Russians, revolutionaryists. Yeah. Yeah. But when the Russians come in, I mean, just like number, numbers mercy. alone, yeah, yeah. they're going to be totally overwhelmed right. and probably crushed. And, and it'll really. Here's the here's the. Here's my view on this. Um, it's easy to look at like civilians being killed as well as like military officials being killed and be like oh man that's that's rough those people have families things like that if you live in an authoritarian state the police and the militia that are partaking in the oppressive policy are not just doing their jobs they're authoritarians true they're a part of they're a cog in the wheel they're a cog in the wheel yeah and there's not an excuse for it and I think this is also a really good example of why we should be careful with our words, because yes. there's a very clear distinction between a nation like that and a nation like the one we live in, you know, right. because what you just said is totally valid. That same language could be applied and has been applied to like the United States. Yes. Right. And I think we'd feel differently about that, that you know, those actions happening here. Right. So. Right. Let it be a warning, I suppose. It is. And this is this is appropriate timing for this first quarter of the year with all of our topics. Um, you guys would have already listened yeah. to the communist episode. We're going to be recording a bunch of episodes about political uh, worldviews, some of the, the tenets of that, some of the, the problems. You know, coming up, we have, we'll be talking about authoritarianism and fascism. You know, communism is, is right up there with that. Right. Progressivism. Yep. Uh, uh, what's yours that you like? Uh, or I shouldn't say that anarchism. you like. But <laughs> no, that's fine. I like anarchism. No, but the volunteerism. Volunteerism. Yeah, yeah which is just intriguing. So, yes. yeah, there's quite a few that we'll dive into. So, yeah, this is very apropos. It is. Yes. That, those topics. So, yeah, there's a couple topics. The two, the two ones we thought are important for at least the first couple weeks of the year. We'll probably follow up on these things. I think we as probably we will, on. especially as the topics yeah are more appropriate for the given episode so yeah i think we're set there well cheers to news and brews cheers to the first episode of news and (laughs) brews i still have to decide how we're gonna title these they're gonna be a little bit different just releasing them it might just be news and brews and a date maybe when it was released or recorded or something like that so we'll figure that all out anyway i always appreciate you guys listening please if you want to keep up with us especially in 2022 as we get a lot more active on social medias. Um, We can start sharing 
these news stories and whatnot, probably on Twitter predominantly, but hop on over to Instagram if you want to check out cocktail recipes and pictures of our drinks. But yeah, feel free to follow us on Twitter or Instagram at WhiskeyBenchPod. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Mountain underscore Torna. That's MTN underscore T-O-R-N-A. Links are going to be in the description. Kat, what's your Twitter tag? At Kat J. Dwyer. K-A-T. Kat. And uh, because we're doing something new, we're experimenting with stuff, give us feedback. Please. Like, tweet at us. Please. Leave comments. We would really appreciate the feedback. So. You know, as we're and getting... we might even institute like a survey at some point. Yes. We'll get around to that at some point. Exactly. But, There'll but be more announcements on this. Engage. And like, if there's a weird <laughs> news story that you're frustrated, yes. you feel like people aren't talking about it, it's important, yeah. add us. Totally. We'll look into it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Fun. So on that note. Cheers. Have a great weekend. Hey gang, Keller Paulson here. I know what you're thinking. What's going on? Who is this guy? Am I right? Well, I'm the host of Keller's Couch. Now, Keller's Couch is an interview podcast where I, Keller Paulson, interview people I find interesting that are doing cool things in the community. But it's not just that. My friends at Slapstick Improv and myself, we also do some improv comedy and sketch comedy every other episode. So, if this tickles your fancy, why don't you scoot on down pop a squat on Keller's couch. Bye. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.